afternoon, one and all. My name is Adrian. If you don't know me, I'll be kind of taking us through uh, this next part of our gathering uh, where we've uh, set aside a Sunday each year, which we call Vision and then Add the Year. Uh, and therefore, this moment's going to look different to normal moments. Uh, normally, at this point, we'd open the Bible and kind of look in and see what is it that we get to see more of Jesus and how he will shape our lives. Now, we all get to look at the Bible, but we're going to do it within the context of uh, who we are as a family, as a church, and uh, recognize that these are good moments. Uh, there are many, many churches that are amazing in a city, and what we're going to look at today isn't that we're saying we're better than everyone else. It's just a moment of saying, well, why do we do what we do? That's this, and to kind of help paint the picture a bit of what does this moment, this Sunday look like, I just want to show us a clip uh, from Forrest Gump, uh, and Hopefully, that will then allow me to paint a bit more of a picture of why do we do this. Uh, so let's just show that. Anyway, like I was saying, I had a lot of company. My mom always said, you got to put the past behind you before you can move on. And I think that's what my running was all about. I had run for three years two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. Quiet, quiet, he's gonna say something. I'm pretty tired. Think I'll go home now. Now what are we supposed to do? And just like that, my running days was over. Maybe you're new around, and you're kind of thinking, well, this seems all right, but what's it kind of about? And if we're not careful, we can end up getting caught up in something and just going along, not particularly understanding why are we doing what we're doing. And we don't want to give ourselves to something and find ourselves one day with someone saying, hey, do you know what? I feel pretty tired. I think I'm going to go home now. You kind of then at that point think, well, what was that about? And maybe there's those of us who say, well, I kind of know what we're about, but there's still those moments of reminding ourselves. I said, actually, this is what we're about. We're not just doing this for the sake of doing this. We're kind of gathering. We're being family together for a purpose. And then I want us just to remind us then of, of why, why we do what we do. And in reminding us on the bigger sense of why we do what we do, we're then going to look at then what's this coming year going to look like? What is it that God wants to shape us in and about as we kind of go through 2020? So that's where we're going to head, and we're going to get there, I hope, by 6 p.m., uh, as that's a challenge for me, isn't it? So let's see where we can go. So why do we do what we do? Well, we've said we believe that Jesus changes everything, full stop, that we believe that Jesus changed everything through his life, death, and resurrection for every single one of us personally. That he changes how we relate to God, how we relate to others, how we relate within ourselves, and 
how we relate to the whole of creation. But Jesus also changes how we see the world. He wants to change everything we see around us in order that we'd know that one day, through his life, death, and resurrection, it became this announcement that this wasn't the end, that one day he's going to return. And in that moment, he's going to cause his rule and reign to fill the whole of this planet. And what that means is it's going to be filled with his love and goodness. Therefore, for us, it means that we get to know living, that understanding that Jesus changes everything for us personally, but Jesus also wants to change everything for everyone around and the whole of creation. And we get to partner with him through to his return of seeing his love and goodness filling everything and anything. Therefore, it shapes who we are when we gather like this, of us understanding that who we are as a church isn't some kind of community or business or kind of good idea, but rather that we're a family and that as we gather, we gather understanding it's all about Jesus and the change he brings for us and the longing of change he wants to bring to everything. But also, it impacts then not only who we are when we gather, but also who we are when we scatter The church isn't just about these moments of us gathering a room, but it's as important as to what happens when we're scattered into the unique environments that each and every one of us are placed in. They're not disconnected, but deeply connected. Of us understanding that where you and where I are placed in where we live, where we work or study or in our recovery or in our seeking of employment or retirement, whatever phase of life we're in, that it's there that we're also revealing the wonder of what God's family is about, of what Jesus is about in changing everything. And what we've said then is understanding our purpose will then cause us to live with a reality that we're going to give ourselves to four words, to loving God and loving people. And we're going to be like teenagers on a bus with a marker pen, just writing their kind of initials everywhere. We're going to put it everywhere. So it doesn't take long to see where we inscript that everywhere, that we're about loving God, loving people. Why? Because Jesus told us to do that in Matthew 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. We want to be a bunch of people that live centered on God's love. Understanding his love defines who we are. That because of his love, it causes us to live knowing that we have nothing to prove. We're as loved as we could ever be. But it only causes us to live centered on his love. It also causes us to celebrate in this God of love, of understanding that everything that you and I do, everything that you and I say is out of that sense of celebrating the love of who God is. We're not looking to bring some sort of honor to ourselves or get pats on the back, but rather saying, actually, no, our whole existence now is a proclamation of love of God. But in that, we then said, well, it's not just that we give ourselves to loving God, it's also that we give ourselves to loving people. Because we love what God loves. And Jesus says, well, love your neighbor then as yourself. We want to be those that love as we have been loved. Therefore, we give ourselves to loving unconditionally. Why? Because God has loved us unconditionally. It wasn't that he waited for us to kind of match up to some standard, but rather that wherever we were at, he came and poured out his love upon us, revealed through Jesus. And in the same way, we're to be those that love people unconditionally. I'm not saying once you've cleaned yourself up or once you've become more like me, I'm going to love you, but actually 
regardless of who you are, I'm going to love you. But it's not only that we love unconditionally, it's also that we love sacrificially. That God reveals his love through his son, through Jesus living and dying. And in the same way, we then get to live loving like that. Loving through the laying down of our lives for others. And then also we get to live loving as God has loved. That yes, it's unconditional. Yes, it's sacrificial, but it's also for our best. And therefore we get to love others by seeking their best. Now seeking their best means that we're seeking to do things that do them good. As well as trying to help them see there's things that maybe they're doing that aren't doing them good and inviting them into something that will do them good. So he said we're going to give ourselves to loving God and loving people. And as we seek to do that, what we've said along the way is we're going to give uh, different signposts annually that will be signposts that are going to encourage us in our pursuit of everything we're believing we're here for, understanding that Jesus changes everything, therefore we love God and love people. And as we have these signposts, they become something that shapes who we are as we learn to understand more and more the wonder of it. And they're not signposts we're kind of plucking out of the air, but rather the ones that we're believing that God is speaking to us. And so in 2019, we started off on a signpost of saying, hey, I think this year is to be about hope. And this last year, we've explored what does home look like then? And we said, let's look to build home, and we're going to seek to kind of give ourselves to understanding more about home through four ways, through, if we go to the next slide, through building, through growing, through well-being and praying. And we said, let's give ourselves to these things of understanding what it means to be home together. And we said, as we give ourselves to these, we want home to be characterized by different attributes. And so we said that we want home to be characterized by faith and by authenticity and welcoming and honoring of justice and mercy and creativity and joy and rest. Why? Well, because as we've given ourselves to understanding this is what it looks like to know home, we've discovered some things on the way. Now, in it, you can look and say, well, how on earth do we dilute 12 months into just a few minutes? Well, let me try. You see, I think along the way we've discovered that home isn't just an idea, it's part of the big story. And so if you look, look at the Bible, Luke, look at the Bible from Genesis through to Revelation, you discover that one of the lenses that you can look at it through is one of God's design of home and his desire for home, home for humanity, a home that he doesn't give up on, but a home one day that he's going to see fully restored as he fills this earth with his goodness and his love. And in it, we've seen that over this past year of understanding this is what God has designed. Home isn't kind of just a new way of looking at things. Rather, home is something that God has always designed. And therefore, we get to be an outpost of that home here. And in that big story, I'd encourage you, if you weren't around on Christmas Eve, Rich Bo Pitt wrote this amazing poem that detailed the wonder of home from Genesis to Revelation. If you didn't get to hear it, I'd, I'd badger him. Like he's at the back at the moment, so you can see who he is. Just badger him and say, I want to see this poem. What's it all about? Maybe get him to perform it for you privately. You know, he may do private sessions, you know, candlelit, bit of music in the background, he could do it. I, I think it's amazing, and I encourage you, because it does, does you good to see home isn't just an idea. 
Home is God's plan from beginning to end. And in that, I'd say there's been some particular things, themes that have come through as we've looked at the wonder of this big story of home. I think the first one that I've been really struck by is what we've learned in terms of knowing honor rather than shame. See, shame is about not just that we've done something wrong, but rather that we start to believe that we are wrong. Actually, part of what God designs in respect to home is that it's a place where we know honor. And I think it's been amazing this last 12 months to have met up with lots and lots of different individuals and see this label they've been kind of living with through circumstances or through things that people have said or done that's caused them to think that I am wrong and see that label being peeled off in order that they know, no, you're one who's honored, beloved, and loved by God. I think it's been amazing to see how we've understood that home is about rest. And so we went on this journey to look at the rhythm that God had built in to the whole fabric of creation, of Sabbath. That isn't some kind of ancient word that women look at and think, oh, it's about a rule to obey, but rather is this expression of God's love that we'd understand that this does us good. And some of that journey of continuing to explore the wonder of what it is to live with the rhythm of Sabbath. We've also discovered along the way that home is a place to enjoy. I know for me, one of the highlights was last year where we get to, got to celebrate our 20th birthday as a church and celebrate what God had done and, and the fact that we can enjoy one another's company. We're not just a bunch of people who don't get to know each other, but rather we get to truly know one another and support and encourage one another. And with that, it's then caused us to understand that home is a place to welcome others in. It's been a joy over 2019 to see 40 or so individuals come to our welcome lunch to discover more of what it means to be part of Oasis. Not that they then get to sign something up that says, hey, now you're a member, because you don't become members of a home, do you? You belong to a home. That's something you choose to do. You see, I've got a home that's for my family, and it's 47 Cherrington Road. We don't issue membership cards for it. It isn't that each of us has some sort of loyalty card where each day we stamp it saying, oh, now you get a free breakfast. It isn't that. We just know this is where we belong. And the same is going to be true for us because we're a family, and we've discovered that we therefore get to welcome people into the home. It's been great having welcome lunches, and we'll be doing that again this year. It was great welcoming loads of people into our home over the Christmas season, and particularly the carol service, where this room and upstairs was at capacity, and we finally found out what the capacity, fire safety-wise, was of this building, and I realized that we've now got to a point where we definitely can't squeeze anyone else in, and what I loved about it was that people said it wasn't only that you presented home, which is our message through Christmas season, but rather that they felt they encountered home. But it's also been that sense of welcoming others in. So we've had the joy of St. John's, who are homeless at the moment. Uh, so it's an Anglican church down the road, and they're having a big building project going on. And we've been able to welcome them and say, hey, use our place as though it's your own. Use our home as your home. And so there's usually two things they're doing a week that just uh, allow them to keep building home here. We then discovered that home is a safe place. I think there's two particular ways that have struck me of that. The first one has been through different individual stories of suffering. 
of them not retracting and hiding away, but rather realizing that at those moments, home's needed. And the joy of them being able to stand with individuals and for numbers of people to stand with individuals and say, you're not alone, this is safe. But also a safe place where people feel it's okay to bring their friends. I mean, it's just a great joy of just numbers of people saying to me, hey, I've been, I felt it was safe enough to bring my friend who doesn't know Jesus. Like, why is that a good thing? Well, because sometimes you can be around a church and think, this doesn't feel very safe to bring someone who doesn't know quite who Jesus is. So it's been great to see that this is a safe place for that. And then finally, the home is all about Jesus. It isn't about any individual. It isn't about some kind of leader that shines at the front, but rather it's always all about Jesus. And so one of my highlight Sundays was our Sunday where we gave over the time to hearing stories of different individuals where it was all about Jesus. And so we had eight different individuals from teenagers through to an age that I'm not going to say, but the whole spectrum and different life stages and that each different life stage, there was just this story of, well, what my life looks like is Jesus and how he is shaping how I live. It was just a privilege. And in it, it wasn't that these were the eight best. It wasn't we kind of did a register of everyone in Oasis. There is no register. And kind of said, well, who's going to best reveal the wonder of Jesus? It was just rather just randomly saying, hey, what about those people? Because what we're discovering is the home that's being built here. It's like a stick of rock that you can cut it through at any point and you just discover it's all about Jesus. And so this coming year, we will continue to have Sundays that where different individuals tell their stories that are all about Jesus because there aren't any kind of superstars. It's just a bunch of people who are very similar to one another who've all discovered that Jesus changes everything. So we've had this year of a signpost of being encouraged and shaped by this design and desire of home. And it isn't at this point we say, well, we've done home, let's kind of move on. No, we continue to understand that this is what we get to build together, a home that welcomes everyone. But as we look forward to 2020, then needs to be a different signpost. And I think it becomes an outflow of what it's meant to be home together. And therefore, the word that we're going to live with, or the two words we're going to live with, is that 2020 is to be a place, a year, where we're shaped and encounter the well. What do I mean by that? Well, let me read you a quote from John Ortberg. It's a quote that I read last year, and as I read it, it did something to me. But also, as I then shared it, it did something to us as a team. And of course, I think that that's surely what a church called Oasis is meant to be about. But also, it's something that allows us to understand, okay, as we've built home, this now means that we get to build something within our home that's a well. So John Ortberg writes this, there is an old tradition on large Australian ranches located on often dry land that there are two ways of keeping cattle on the ranch. One is to build a fence, the other is to dig a well. What a gift it might be to a world that has become increasingly polarized and politicized if the church would be utterly committed to Jesus as our center. No fences to keep others out, just the life-giving water of Jesus drawing people ever closer to his presence. 
And as I read that, it just did something to me. I thought, surely, surely that's what we're meant to be about. Surely in this moment within society, which seems to be ever increasingly polarized and politicized, where fences continuously seem to be marked out and saying either you're in this or you're out, that we need to reveal, as Jesus always did, oh no, there's a different way. There's a different way. So you find it actually in the Bible where we find Jesus in a moment at a well. And he uses that moment at a well to reveal actually there aren't any fences here. I just want to draw everyone in. And you find it in John chapter 4, and we're going to look at this in a bit more detail in a couple of weeks, uh, just because there is so much in there. But I want to just draw out some quick things tonight. So let's just quickly look at the story. So John chapter 4, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you'd have asked him and he would have given you living water. We can go to the next slide. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. We're going to look at this in way more detail because there is so much going on in this story. But at the moment, I just want us to understand this. When we're talking about the well, it's not some abstract concept. It's rather, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is very clear about this. He is a well that quenches every and any thirst. And in it, what we discover in this story is this lady gets to enjoy the well of Jesus. When she hears how good it is, she can't help but drink, and she gets to enjoy it. But in enjoying it, it doesn't then cause her to just run away and just keep it to herself. She has to share it. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a good piece of news. Like, my guess is that every single one of us has, just one. You may not have had lots, but I reckon you've had one, one piece of news. And when you have that one piece of news, it isn't that you kind of keep it to yourself. You can't help to tell people about it because it's good. And that's the deal. Like when you taste something that is utterly, eternally satisfying, you can't help but share it. Therefore, this well is all about Jesus. It's something we have to enjoy, but it's also something, therefore, we will share. So firstly then, 
in terms of looking at the will, it is that we need to enjoy it. John 4, 14. We need to enjoy this personally. See, there's a danger here that we think, all right, what Jesus is offering is a spring of water that's welling up to eternal life. Yet, yet when you believe in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you get the well. And we think, oh, yeah, I did that once. And we potentially mark a day or we remember a phase of trans- transformation. Now, that's not what Jesus is talking about. It's that we get to know him and keep drinking and enjoying him. This isn't a one sip and that's it, thirst quenched. This is a continuous, ongoing coming to the well of Jesus and being deeply satisfied by him. That's the invitation. And this coming year, I want each of us to be living, understanding more of that. Just to change the metaphor slightly from a well, I just want to talk about a fire. Last November, I and my family got to go away, and we went away with some friends of ours to a bonfire weekend. And there's a load of fireworks, but on the Saturday night, there was this huge fire. It was massive. The heat off it was immense. And as I was looking at this fire, I felt God really speak to me. Because what struck me was the outside, first of all, with these huge pieces of wood and flames just engulfing them. And it was just amazing, the heat, the orangeness of the flames, the intensity of the thing. It was just amazing. And as I looked at it, I felt God say, no, no, don't get caught up by the flames. Look inside the fire. Now, at that point, it's quite hot looking in. But I thought, well, okay, let's look in. As I'm looking in, breaking all health and safety rules, and as I look in, what strikes me is no longer the flames, but the material that has been lit internally that is now just white hot. And as I looked in, I I felt God speak to me and say, with Oasis, don't settle for just the flames on the outside. You have to keep building the white hotness inside. The thing is, I can't do that. We need to. See, we'll only ever ignite others with what we're seeking to be ignited by ourselves. We'll only ever be able to offer others the thirst quenching Jesus if we're continuously drinking in the thirst quenching Jesus. And so my encouragement this year is let's give ourselves firstly, personally, to continuously drinking of the well of Jesus. Like, how do we do that? Let me just give us just four things, just to help us along the way. There'll be others that we'll think about. I'd say, first one is from last week. We started last weekend, last Sunday, not with what are we going to do, but rather what are we going to receive? And I gave us all a little handout of Jesus' promises to give us life in full. And then it gave nine different characteristics of what that life in full looks like. I'd encourage us, grab one of those. They're still on the uh, Connect desk, if you've not got one. Now, in it, My guess is, because I'm a realist, just different ones of us will have taken it and thought, well, that's quite nice. I'll put it in my Bible and look at that next week. Or maybe we took it and we put it in our car pocket. Or maybe we took it home and said, I'm going to be a very good citizen and recycle this. Rather, what I'd really like us to do is use it. Like, I know someone who this last week has literally taken one a day and over breakfast just said, today, Jesus, I receive your life that is characterized by love. Then the next day, today, Jesus, I receive your life that's characterized by peace. 
Like, let's do this because it will do us good. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's through this, the pause discipleship guide. I know we've all got these, but just keep pushing it because it does us good. Maybe you haven't. Well, they're there as well on that connect desk for you to take. And in this, is one of two things. One is it causes us to have a way of continuing to pursue Jesus with a daily, weekly, and monthly rhythm. And I encourage us to say, hey, I want to get someone else alongside me or a couple of people alongside me that we can keep pushing one another of how are we drinking deeper of Jesus? How are we ensuring we're going to stay white hot or get hotter? Should I be saying that? Over this coming year. Now in it, maybe you're saying, well, okay, I get that, but I want to go a bit deeper. Well, we thought that might be the case. And so there's a page that's all about resources, which is about 18 books that we think will do every single one of us good. 18 books that we've actually read and therefore they're good to recommend. And they're about how we relate to God, how we relate within ourselves, and how we relate to the world. Therefore, if you just think, man, I'd love to read three books this year, read one of those three. It will do you good. Third thing, you version the Bible app. I talked about this last Sunday. I love the Bible app. Why? Because it's on my phone all the time. Like, Maybe you haven't got a smartphone, therefore I apologize for being narrowing down to people with a smartphone. But if you have a smartphone, you can download this app. It is free. I'm sure there's others available, but this one is really good. Why? At the bare minimum, every day it will pop up on your screen with a verse for the day. And that verse will do you good. You don't even have to think about where should I open the Bible. It just pops up. Here's a verse for you to consider today. However, within it, there are also different plans that you can get hold of. So I've been doing a plan over the last year that just takes me a chapter each day through the whole of the New Testament. And then at the end of it, I just make some notes on the app, and it does me good. Final one, podcasts. Maybe it isn't that we want to read, we want to listen. The Bible Project podcasts are exceptional. They produce videos which are really good, but the podcasts are amazing. They'll cause you to see Jesus in scriptures that you've not seen. They'll cause you to see the wonder of who God is and the depth and breadth of what he's doing through scripture. It'll cause you to realize how amazing scripture is. Anyway, four things. Let's give ourselves personally to drinking of this world, but let's also give ourselves together. I say let's give ourselves together in three ways. Firstly, in small groups. See, gathering like this is good, but small groups are better. Yeah, you did hear me say that. This is good, but small groups are better. Why? Because small groups are a place where we get to truly know and truly be known. It's an environment where it's smaller. It's a smaller group of people, so there's only so many people that are there that you have to get to know. Also, you can trust with your life, open your life, and then journey together to reveal more of who Jesus is. Now, maybe at this point you're going, I'm in. I want to be in a small group. How do I do it? Do you know what? We have an amazing person who can help you connect to a small group, and that is Mike Blaber, who will stand for a moment. There we go. He's amazing at helping people connect into a meaningful relationships that will cause you and others to grow in your pursuit of Jesus. So firstly, small groups. Secondly, I'd say through what we've already talked about, we're going to have these moments once a quarter where we're going to gather and just give the whole evening over to worship. No agenda other than we want to come and give everything in honoring you, God. And I promise you, when we do that, it will shape us differently. It will cause us to drink deeper and deeper of the well of who Jesus is. 
And then lastly, although I've said small groups are the best, this is still good. That how we keep drinking of Jesus is together. These moments of not giving up, like when we gather like this, it has a purpose. It does us good. It allows us to see more of Jesus and to receive more of Jesus together. That's the first one anyway, enjoying the well. Ooh, it's 6 p.m. Let's see if we can get there. The next part is then the well to share. That this lady takes a moment and having received the wonder of who Jesus is, she can't help but share it with others. Therefore, I want to encourage us this coming year. Let's look at three ways that we can cause others to drink of the well of Jesus. The first one we've already highlighted, which is Alpha. Like, we're not just doing one this year and that's it. We've done Alpha. No, no, this is us again getting Alpha back into the DNA of who we are as a family. Like, we've done Alpha before, but we often found there was this gap. And the gap was we had to do Alpha in a venue that wasn't our own. And therefore, the, the kind of ability to cross over people who were doing Alpha to where we met as a family just was really hard. Whereas now we've kind of learned, hey, we know what it is to have home. And now we can invite people into home to explore the wonder of Jesus. And therefore, I'd say, let's support it. Let's pray for it. But let's also invite people along. We're going to be doing a couple of Alphas this year. And so it'd be something that I want us to keep on our agenda. The second thing is in terms of this building, South Street. Like we want this to become a well that others can come and taste of Jesus' goodness. And therefore, we don't want it just to be used on a Sunday. Like that's pointless, isn't it? What's the point of having a building that we've spent time creating home in, say, oh, let's just open the doors on a Sunday and close them the rest of the week. Now we want to find ways that we can use this place to do others good. And therefore, over the next quarter, we're going to have a gathering point where we're going to come together and explore different ideas that people have got. And then I promise you, by the end of it, through us sharing ideas, talking about ideas, praying about ideas, we'll then land on some. And we'll say, let's go for these. And we're going to take some risks. And then I promise you, some of them are going to fail. But some of them will work. But we don't shy away from it. We take risks. Why? Because what we want to do is create a world that will do others good. And then lastly, because it is 2020, and I really didn't want to go with the 2020 clear vision, no, but I also thought, let's play on the words 2020. I want us each individually to give ourselves this year to seeking to do 20 acts that demonstrate who Jesus is. That's like one every other week. Like not asking you to do anything daily. Well, I'm not asking you to kind of think, right, okay, so every other week, what I've got to do is find someone and give them the full gospel, the full wonder of what Jesus has accomplished from Genesis to Revelation. No, no, simply demonstrate Jesus to them. What does that look like? Let me tell you a few ways it looks like a, that I've heard of within Oasis. I can talk about a school pupil who wrote cards to say thank you to all of their teachers. Or someone I know who bought flowers for their work colleague. Or someone I know who visits their elderly neighbor to have a coffee with them. Or someone else who just takes biscuits and cakes in for their team. Now, and it isn't that we then think, oh, I've got to do those things. No, I think there's a more adventurous way. Now, I can come and I could give you 150 ideas of what you could do. 
Again, I don't think that's that good. I think rather, here's the adventure part of this 2020, is that we get to daily come to the Father. In actual fact, we don't have to do it daily, do we? I've just said, once every two weeks, come to the Father and say, Father, what is the moment that I have today to reveal the wonder of who Jesus is? That's it. And I wonder whether as we seek to do that, God will cause us to have moments where we get to reveal the wonder of who Jesus is to strangers and people we know. And that as we do that, I wonder what kind of stories will come amongst us. Not in terms of, guess what this story is, it's the most amazing story. No, no, in terms of the stories we think, man, your story is our story. These are our stories. Now, in it, as we live with this well, I want us to also know that it's something to shape us from 2020 and beyond. And I think it's going to shape us from 2020 and beyond in the medium and longer term. Now, what you can remember is we're only 20 years old, therefore long term is not very long for us. And so I'm talking about like a three to five year window and a five to ten year window. I believe, we believe as a team that firstly, it's about us seeking a permanent well here. You see, this building that we've done lots to, we only rent. It's owned by a couple of landlords who we're in a really good relationship with. They'd love to sell it, we'd love to buy it. We've just got to figure out a price which we both agree on. I'd like us just to keep praying, God, would you cause this to become a reality for us? Why? Because I think God wants us to use this to be a well. So it's that one. The second one is that I think what we've got here through our morning and afternoon congregations is good. What we've got in terms of small groups is good. But the reality is there are parts of the city that cannot tra travel into here. And therefore, we want to look at multiplying who we are. This world's good, but this city's big. And there are many, many great churches out there, but there's many, many communities that don't get the well of Jesus to drink from because no one's taken it there. And we need to be those who say, actually, let's look at where we could multiply what we've got here to other communities in order that we can see them drink of who Jesus is. Which brings us then to the end, the well. I think it kind of brings two responses. The first one is this. Maybe you're kind of new around and you're looking in. Maybe you're someone who is trying to figure out who Jesus is. Well, for you, probably this moment is a moment to say, well, I'm going to continue to explore. If you're trying to figure out who Jesus is, it's exploring who Jesus is. And my hope is we can help you do that. And I encourage you, get on to Alpha. If you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, and you're saying, well, I'm just trying to figure out, could this be a place I could call home? I'd say, explore. You've heard what we're going for. I think, man, is this the kind of place I could join in? If in your exploration you think, no, that's all right. Do you know what? There's amazing churches in the city. And I encourage you, find somewhere where you can call it home and seek to dig in and play your part. So for many of us, for some of us, it will be explore. For many of us, this is a moment where we say, no, I'm joining in. Maybe we've been part of the journey for the last 20, 15, 10, 5, 3, 2, 1 years. And if this is a moment, not for my personal gratification of, oh, that many people are around, but rather a moment where we get to say, Jesus, I am in. I want to join in here at revealing the wonder of who you are. And I think it can be helpful to remember we're not just running for the sake of running. 
We're not just following the crowd thinking, oh no, I hope no one at some point doesn't say, that's it, I'm done, I'm going home. But rather we think, no, no, I'm in this because I want to be in it. And in a moment, I'm going to get us to stand and just take, have an opportunity to respond. And in it, it's more the joining in ones I want to kind of push for. I've just a way of, and we're going to have all our eyes closed, but just a way of saying, Jesus, I come. And I say, I'm in again. And I play my part in enjoying you as my will and sharing you as my will. So should we stand? And just with our eyes closed, I've got my eyes closed as well. I just want to, I'm going to pray for us in a moment. But just if you feel like, actually, yeah, I'm not at the exploring phase. I'm at the joining in phase. If that's you, why don't you just put your hands on your heart as a way of saying, Jesus, here's my heart. I want to join again in the adventure you've got for me. I'm just going to pray for us. Jesus, I thank you that you know every single one of us. You know the stories that we're living with. And I thank you for the fact that you've brought us to this moment now here. And I pray, Jesus, would you cause us to know more of you as our well, to know more of and enjoy more of just the life that you have to offer for us. And I pray, Jesus, as we drink more of you, I pray would we share more of you to others. And I pray, Jesus, firstly for those that are saying, yeah, we're joining in. I pray would you cause us to live knowing that therefore we matter in this. That we all have a part to play. And Jesus, I pray for those that are exploring. Jesus, I thank you that they matter. And I pray, Jesus, that for those that are exploring just the wonder of who you are, Jesus, I pray reveal who you are. I pray for those that are exploring, could this be home? I pray, would you cause it to feel very clear as to whether this is a place that could be called home? And I pray, God, they just feel really welcomed. I really ask that for your glory, Jesus. Amen.